I invite you to turn in your copies of God's holy and inspired word back to the gospel of Matthew. This morning, we're going to focus in on verses 25 through 32, but I'm going to begin reading a little further back. One of of the things that has been so fun uh, for me uh, as as I have been working through uh, studying the Sermon on the Mount is just how tight Jesus's logic is as he moves from one thing to the next, where where he is he's presenting to us not just these disparate individual you know truth sayings, but he's he's presenting us this whole package that that is connected from beginning to end, and and the presentation is as important as the content that he is providing. So I'm going to begin reading. Um, Back in verse 16, I'm going to read a couple of key places uh, until we get to verse 25. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret." And your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you fast, do not lay up for yourselves earthly treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures that are in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, or where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you do know all that we need, and you know better than we know. And yet, so often, because of our lack of faith, more specifically because of our lack of trust, we often worry that you're not aware of the needs that we think we have. And so, Lord, help us through your word this morning 
to rest once again in our Heavenly Father, who is ever-present, who is always good, and who always provides. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the realities that we looked at last week is we don't know our hearts. We don't truly know what we ultimately crave and desire, what we really want. And and when faced with that reality, it can be very difficult. It can be very troubling. It can even be dreadful. There is another dread that exists. It is the reality that you and I are on a blue rock, spinning, flying through the universe, and at any moment for any one of us, a trap door is going to open. We are either going to fall into the arms of the everlasting God, or we're going to fall into his judgment. And that is scary, and that is dreadful. So often we get tempted to think that that really sums up our existence, that that we're just spinning on some rock. We're just in this impersonal existence existence within a a cosmos that is uh, more like a machine of cause and effect. And and we think that we are living at the whim of, of these things. And yet what we need to remember, what Christ calls us back to over and over and over again, is that though all of that is true, that there is cause and effect, that there is order, that there is a system, all of this is functioning within the purposes of God and under his presence and direction and in his power. Everything is happening according to his will. And there is not the smallest detail that is outside of that. A lot of times, you and I, we think that there are details that fall outside of that. Jesus tells us here in the Sermon on the Mount that when we embrace the virtues of the Beatitudes, when we embrace the the values of living wisely, in, in fleshing out those virtues and living according to the word of God, that, that when we are embracing, embodying, and extending these virtues and these values, it always is to lead to practice. That practice that is to take place before the Heavenly Father who is always there. So that when we are practicing the Christian faith, we're not practicing in order to get attaboys and commendations from people. We're practicing the Christian faith in lives of gratitude and devotion in response to God. One of the key practices of the Christian faith, believe it or not, that Jesus doesn't command, he expects, is fasting. 
And the fasting to which we are called is not merely a fasting from food, even though, yes, it does require that. The tinges of hypocrisy are flowing right now. We are called to, as evangelical Christians, right? it's not just for the Catholics, it's not just for the Orthodox, for Reformed evangelical Christians, we are called to give up food at times as an expression to God that we want more of him and less of things on earth, particularly food. Not because food is bad. Food is not bad. Food is wonderful. Food, as we see in, in Exodus, as God puts forward to his people as, do you, do you want some evidence? Do you want some concrete something that you can hold on to and that you can chew and that you can swallow and that, that will fill you while you are sojourning through, through the wilderness? Do you want something? All right, I'll give you food. I will rain meat and bread from heaven. Because God knows that our faith is weak. God knows that that we need these tangible things that we can touch, that, that we can smell, that we can taste, that we can see. And so God, even in response to our whining, response to our grumbling, Rather than doing what I tend to do when someone's whining and grumbling, where I, oh, well, you're going to whine and grumble, I'll withhold. God, in his amazing grace, says, oh, you're going to whine, you're going to grumble? Well, here, let me give you, some, let me give you something else. Our Heavenly Father knows our needs, and because he is a good Father, He takes delight in providing what we need. Not when we're doing great and living in obedience and our lives are are reflections of of his word. But even when we are in the, the depths of our mistrust and our whining and our grumbling and our complaining, he says, let me give you something so that you will know I am your Lord and that I'm setting you up to have your weak faith strengthened. We are called as the people of God to fast in order that we can feast better. If you were here when we went through that that passage, you'll remember those two words. We don't fast in order to have nothing. We fast from lesser things so that we can feast on greater things. Jesus tells us that within this process of following him, as we are on this wilderness wander, uh, this wilderness exodus, as we are moving from this life to the next, we find ourselves in the same position in which we are surrounded by sin 
and death, and, and therefore we are so often tempted to be freaked out and scared by it. But we are also tempted to take the earthly things and try to turn them into more ultimate things. And so Jesus tells us that we are to fast from earthly treasures so that we can feast on treasures that are eternal, that don't corrode, that don't fall, don't fall apart, that aren't temporary, that can't be stolen or taken away from us, but are secured for us. Where we, as, as Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1, where, where our eternal inheritance is kept for us and where we are being kept for it. Jesus tells us to fast from earthly things in order to feast on heavenly things. And, and specifically here, he is referring to money. What we do with our money will tell us all kinds of things about ourselves uh, and, and about what we are fasting from and what we are feasting on. And quite typically, as American Christians who are just living in the most abundant culture that has ever existed in history. So often we are feasting on earthly things and fasting from the heavenly things. And Jesus in personifying money says, when we do this, we are voluntarily placing ourselves under the power of money rather than living as those who are empowered by Christ to properly use money. You see the difference? It's not money's bad. We're supposed to fast from it because it's evil. What we are to fast from is the, is the wrongful valuation of it and the wrongful use of it. He is not saying don't try to earn money. He's not saying if you have money, it's bad. What he's saying is, what is the way that you interact with money? What is it telling you about you? What is it telling you about what you love? Because as we said last week, what you love, you will serve. Are we like Gollum? who are being controlled by the ring, where it is exerting its power over us and enslaving us to its will, where, where the ring is our precious? Or are we able to interact with money as its master where it becomes a tool that the church uses in taking the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world. What is your relationship to money? Are you fasting from the improper valuation and the improper use in order to feast on the heavenly realities and therefore exert self-control and discipline in utilizing money well? When we don't, what Jesus tells us is not only will we serve money, 
where, where we allow its power to blind us. What happens, he tells us here, is our lives grow anxious and filled with worry. When we start to think that we need money in order to have the things that we want here on earth, because we believe that that is where we find significance and security, then what happens is when you don't have what you think you need, you are tempted here towards anxiety. And secondly, you are tempted to think that God's not aware and worse, that God doesn't care. That's what Jesus is telling us. The way we interact with money can set us up to to serve God uh, well, or it can set us up to serve very poorly and to actually come under the power and influence of something other than him. When we do that, beloved, we, we worry. We get anxious. We, we start focusing on what, what we think we need, what, what we think we should have to, to survive, for one, And at other times, for enjoyment, for significance, for power, for influence. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus tells us, don't worry. He doesn't say, by the way, don't worry because there aren't things to worry about. He doesn't say, don't worry, because life in the wilderness is easy. He doesn't say, don't worry, because you know, you know, things are, are just going to work out really well for you. He doesn't say, don't worry. Instead, name it and claim it, and it will be yours. What he says is, don't worry. Because God sees you, he cares for you, and he is sustaining you in the wilderness in order to get you where he has promised to take you. And if we are honest with ourselves, how how often is that truly our temptation? When we worry, we grumble. When we worry, we whine. When we worry, we doubt. When we worry, we get our values out of order. Are you worried today? Are you experiencing anxiety? Are you wrestling with with a grumbling and a complaining heart and spirit? Well, if so, 
don't point your finger at yourself and start beating yourself up. But look to the grace of your heavenly Father who when we whine and grumble says to us, well, let me give you bread for you to eat so that you will know that I do care that I am present and that I have all the power. See, we get scared of dealing with our anxiety because the thought immediately will creep into into our heart. Well, Well, I shouldn't be anxious. And guess what? You shouldn't. But guess who knows that we get anxious? And guess... Who doesn't judge us for the anxiety? And guess who lovingly comes to us and says, here's what I have for you. I know that you worry. And so look to my power and provision that I give you in bread that you can eat. Beloved, one of the things I I love to tell people in counseling, especially those who are wrestling with, ang- with, with, with anxiety and with worry. Because of that propensity to beat yourself up over it, you've got to stop shooting on yourself. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do that. What God wants you to do is to embrace the provision not beat yourself up. What he wants you to do is, is go to him and whine. He wants you to go to him and grumble. Now, he wants us to grow also and mature to, to where we do that less and less. But guess what? You and I, until we are perfected in the heavenly places, are going to struggle with worry and anxiety. We are never going to get past that point where we have to repent, realign our hearts according to God's presence and power. We're never going to get past that. And so, on an ongoing basis, God constantly points us back to his presence and his power in order to to reorient us by giving us bread to eat and giving us a cup to drink. If you're struggling with worry and anxiety, then when the elements go by today, hold them. And, and don't see them as insignificant tokens that are supposed to be doing something spiritual out here, but hold them in the concrete form that they are, that in holding them and chewing them and tasting them and swallowing them, that that is where the spiritual reality of these tokens is experienced, where our faith grabs hold to what we can see and touch and hold and taste. As God has told us, taste and see 
that I am good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in me. The call of fasting here, beloved, is is not to to fast from concrete things to try to grab hold of, of heavenly things. It's to fast from the improper utilization of the concrete things so that in the right utilization of them, we are grabbing hold of God who makes himself known through them. Because he knows that we wrestle with anxiety and worry. Jesus gives us his body and his blood. Not just in history, not just spiritually. He gives us his body and he gives us his blood. But he has also given us his body, not only in the bread and the cup. He has given us his body in giving us one another. The reality is, beloved, there, that the reason worry and anxiety exist is not just because of the sin of our hearts. It's because life in the desert is hard. It's difficult. It, the desert is a place of death. It is a place of suffering. It is a place of lack. When we are hungry, it's, it's not that we should just act like we're not. And we do get hungry. We get thirsty. We get beaten down. And so what does the book of Acts show us? That the reality of the presence and power of Christ that is not only comes to us in the, in the bread and in the cup, it comes to us in the community of faith as we learn not to just simply take care of ourselves, but to take care of one another. There are going to be needs. And the provisions that God has for us is not just something spiritual as if he doesn't care about us being actually hungry. He provides us actual food. And sometimes it has rained from heaven. But most of the time it has come from a neighbor. It has come from someone saying, here's what I have. I would like to share some of it with you. And so God has given us his sacrament. He has also given us the community of faith. So that when we find ourselves grumbling and whining, when we find ourselves doubting and complaining, when we find ourselves living in worry and anxiety, where, we, where we're tempted to think that God doesn't see or God doesn't care. Not only do we look to the bread and to the cup, but we look to one another. Look right now. Turn to your left. Turn to your right. Right? I know that we're sitting here as if this is a lecture hall and you're all facing this way. Now that was really Presbyterian, by the way. Most of y'all barely moved an inch. You're allowed to move in the worship service. Not dance, let's not get crazy. Physically look to your left. Like actually move. Look, this, this is who God has given you. 
He is surrounding you with these people who are expressions of his faithfulness, who are conduits of his presence, his power, and his provisions. It is the body of Christ in the bread. It is the body of Christ in one another. Don't be anxious. But when you are, remember that God sees, that he cares, and he has already provided and will continue to do so because he wants to take us to the fullness of what he has for us because in Christ he has made us his treasured possession. And where his treasure is, so also is his heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us as we wrestle and struggle with living according, not just to your word, but living according to the realities that you have made yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Living according to your promises, living according to to your presence, living according to your purposes and your power, learning to treasure, Lord, what you treasure so that we might rest in Christ. Father, bless us with these things, for apart from you, We truly do have nothing. But in Christ, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.